Hi everyone, I'm David Blindauer, and welcome to Conversation with a Manager, Stories from the Frontline. Our podcast is dedicated to the proposition that managers, particularly frontline managers, are key to an organization's success. This podcast is also in search of the best advice and counsel from experienced managers for anyone new to the role of manager. Today's guest is Jakata Amani. Jakata grew up in the Bay Area, and given the circumstances facing his community there, he chose to focus his attention on youth leadership, organizing, and advocacy. Jakata is currently the CEO for the Management Center, an organization working to advance justice and equity in the United States. He has held leadership positions at the Center for Popular Democracy, the Pacific School of Religion, and the Ella Baker Center for Human Rights. He brings us a rich history of managing in nonprofit settings, and we are delighted to have him join us on the podcast. Today's host is Steve King. Here's Steve with some initial thoughts about his conversation with Jakarta. Thanks, David, and hi, everybody. Thanks for joining us. Today's episode finds us interviewing a manager working in a different setting than most of the managers we've interviewed so far. As David mentioned, Jakarta works in the world of nonprofits. I have long believed that the nonprofit world operates with a strong affinity for mission, their purpose for serving those they wish to serve. While the for-profit world can also be driven by mission and purpose, I have found that there is something a little more, shall we say, pure about nonprofit motivations. And I think this mission-driven orientation can provide those of us seeking insights into management a slightly different lens to think about our roles as managers. In this segment with Jakarta, he drives home the point that bringing out the very best in people, making the workplace a joyous place, is central to a manager's role. And while nearly every manager says this is what they hope to do, Jakarta suggests that we often fall short because we often misunderstand the symbiotic relationship between the joy of fulfilling work and great productivity. Perhaps it takes someone from the nonprofit world to drive home this point. For those of you who regularly listen to our podcast, be prepared. This interview segment runs a little longer than our usual interviews. So I promise to keep my comments at the end of the interview a little shorter than usual. As context, you will hear Jakarta refer to a manager from his past, Raquel, that delivered some tough love that changed the course of his career. She was discussed in the earlier part of the interview we have not heard. He uses Raquel as a kind of role model for successful management. So sit back and enjoy my conversation with Jakarta. Very nice. All right. We've gotten through all my questions. Is there a topic you would like to talk about for young managers? Something you're going in your business or experience, whichever you're going, yeah, I'd like to, I'd like to comment about that because I think a yeah. young manager needs to know that. So yeah. is there a topic like that? Let's go for it. If there's that, then I think we're cool, but is there a topic? Yeah. Like that? Yeah. There's, there's one thing I would, I would love to share, which is, I think we talked earlier about, and I, and I said this sort of, uh, I alluded to it, but I want to, I want to be uh, more articulate about it. There is a mindset and a practice shift from being an individual contributor to being a manager. The first thing I'll say is that you're not just responsible for results now. You're responsible for the people who get results. And in most organizations, that is, you know, unless you are <laughs> um, a manufacturer, your biggest asset 
is your people. And so when you're a manager, you're responsible for that organization's most valuable asset. The thing is its differentiation. And, and most organizations will tell you, what makes us special is our people. Okay, if that's true, now you as a manager, you are the steward of that organization's most valuable thing, it's people. And people, uh, even though I just alluded to, are not things. And so we're alive, we're living. And the mindset shift that managers have to make is how do uh, one of the young people I, I worked with um, years ago, he said one of the greatest compliments he gave me was as a leader and a manager, is you help us all step into our greatness. Mm. You help us um, do get to the place we are trying to get, not just in our career, but in our performance as people, as um, as a contributor to this team. And and so as a manager, that mindset shift of helping people step into their greatness. At the management center, we call that a conspire and align approach to management, which is I'm not trying to like squeeze juice out of you. I'm trying to unlock your full potential in the service of our mission. And I'm trying to partner with you on that. <laughs> and so when that becomes the objectives, when that is the center of your management, um, as opposed to I'm trying to maximize productivity and get as much, like, which no one wants that. Like, I, I, you don't want that. I don't want that. When your manager's doing that to you, you don't want it. That's not. The gift, the gift is the helping people really shine and be successful in their role because people, a few people don't often leave jobs. They leave managers. Mm -hmm. I've stayed at jobs way too long that didn't pay enough, um, where the organization's mission was a little bit, uh -uh, but my manager had my back. Working with them was a, you know, I didn't, uh, was a joy. They, you know, fed it, their, their partner, my partnership with them fed part of my soul, right? And so that is the gift as a manager. And I, I want to say, I think managers owe their people that. That is not like a, 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 that's not a side quest. That people spend more time at work than they do with the people they love and care about. The hours we spend at work, we don't get back. They, they roll out one way. And so if people put their life force in your hands, if you are uh, fortunate enough to step into roles like that, I believe it's your job. It is your, now it is your vocation to help them be better, more powerful, more com confident, more clear, more skilled than when you started working and that may be that this is not the role for them. This is not going to be the place, right, where they get to flourish. I mean, the thing is, is like to be in a job where you are not performing well, but it's the main thing you do in your life. And every day, you know that there's some, that's not joyous. That is sad. And so like when Raquel helped me see this being an organizer thing isn't the job for you, boo. There's something else out there calling you where you can be great. That was a gift. I could be a trash organizer to this day, right? But she helped me see in the kindest, most loving way, this was not for you. 
but with no, no lack of clarity. Kind and loving, but with no lack of clarity. This is not the role for you, baby. There's something else that's calling you that you can do and you can contribute to the world, which is why I'm here now, because I didn't do keep pursuing that role, even though it was in my heart and in my passion to be a contributor, to be a social, to be committed to social transformation and social change in my DNA. That's not going anywhere. Being an organizer, that's not the way you're going to do it, baby. That was so profoundly helpful. And so for me, this thing of being a manager of people having uh, how people get to spend their time, you being a part of that is such a profound calling. And so this conspire and align approach, we are such profound believers at, at the management center because you get better results. You invest in people who continue to grow and flower and step into their greatness. Um, than you do through this sort of traditional command and control, I put in quotes, where you tell people exactly what you want to do. You say jump, they say how high. That's not only not good management. It's not, it's not, it's not only not kind, it's not effective. It doesn't get you where you need to go, especially in most of today's world where it is so highly complicated. What we're aiming at, what we're, the, the, the goals, objectives we're trying to pursue, we need people's flexibility, brilliance, creativity coming to bear. Um, their desire, their passion, and their drive, and not just their like, wah, wah. So I know, and you know, there are people out there that would say the following, and I'd like your your reaction to the, what they'd say. They'd say job one's productivity and job two is what you're talking about. In other words, there is a hierarchy in their head going, you know, it's all about productivity. It's all about the bottom line. It's all about shareholder value. And... Uh, to me, that's sort of a mutual exclusivity attitude about the world. But given what you just said about, about the power of being a manager and the responsibility of creating something unique for every individual, how do you respond to someone going, well, wait a second, it's first about productivity. It's always yeah. about. Yeah, no, um, I, this is so profound. Um, when Raquel leave coached me out of my role as an organizer, that was about productivity. Hmm. Like her saying, her, her helping me come to the conclusion that you're turning out 20 people a month uh, uh, to meetings. You got two leaders a month. Okay, so-and-so's turning out 75. They have 15 leaders a month you're not hitting the mark of our objectives of building power with and for the communities we serve. Central is productivity. Like, the, like this is the thing that I think is, is so profound about social justice organizations and, and, and organizations that are committed to social impact and social good. If we don't perform, our people don't eat. So it's not just shareholder value. This is, if we don't perform, our people don't eat. And so when mission-driven organizations get this clarity around uh, managing towards equity, sustainability, and results, they got the equity and sustainability part. They want to do that, but they don't got the, what I think the, the, the private sector has to figure out is if you, if you really can't pursue together with people something that people are interested in and that really feeds people, you're not going to keep them. And so... This is the thing that about being from the Bay that is so amazing. I was around to watch all those dot coms come around and say, what, what, 
we're connecting, we're creating community, we're creating whatever. And I was like, actually, you're recruiting shareholder value. And as soon as you get clear about that, there's a bunch of people who you've told with that you're doing something else that you're not, then I don't want to be there no more. And that is exactly what's happening is they're centering shareholder value, but they don't have a vision about where they're going anymore and about what they're up to anymore. And so some of the magic is starting to slip away. And we're seeing that where it's like, you need to be this place. <laughs> um, I don't mean to pick on meta, but this place that made the internet every place that everyone wanted to be now believes people have to be in an office together for things to work. Yeah, you know, this virtual thing. No, 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 no. Come in. Well, but what is the thing that they're doing when they're together? What is it they're creating when they're together that has people excited to come to work? It wasn't the free coffee and the dry cleaning. It's a mission about what they're up to in the world together that they don't have. And so they're losing sight and their productivity is plummeting. Even, right? And so it ha we have to unleash people. You can squeeze that. You can just squeeze them for as long as you can. I mean, we, we, we can do, we can just do that. We can put people in factories and just squeeze them as hard as you can. That's not, that's not how you get creativity. That's not how you get breakthrough. That's not how you change the world. The way you change the world is you inspire and alight people to do things they never could imagine and, or to do what is in their imagination. And so that is unleashing them. And to be clear what that is. And so that is the, the job of a manager is to be clear about what that is. And so, yes, I'm not decentering productivity. Productivity is the center and the heart of what I'm after. I'm just talking about how you get there in a way that actually unleashes people and aligns people's creativity towards it to, and, and, and life force towards it together in ways that you can't just force them to do. Allah, <laughs> come back to work, be in our office. We're going to connect and create culture. Wow. That is, that sounds like really weird when tech giants sound like Henry Ford, all of us, like 200 years ago. Like, wow, guys, this is interesting. Hmm. This podcast is supported by NRECA, the National Trade Association representing America's electric cooperatives. NRECA's broad range of products and services include a robust portfolio of leadership programs that provide learners with the knowledge, skills, and resources they need to lead at all levels of their co-op and succeed in today's rapidly changing electric utility industry. Visit cooperative.com learning to explore the value of learning with NRECA. And we're back here with Steve. Steve, you promised to keep your observations on the short side. Jakarta had so much good stuff to say. Isn't it going to be hard to live up to that promise? Yes, it is going to be hard, but I'm going to try. So instead of picking out two or three things Jakarta spoke to, I'd like to simply validate his thesis with my own personal experience. The best manager I have ever had was someone named Karen. She was my Raquel. It was early in my career and I had so much to learn about the role I was in and so much to learn about myself. Aaron's gift was that she seemed to sense not only what I was good at, but what I took joy in, which was at that time designing and delivering great training. I loved the work and Karen gave me the opportunity, real goals, encouragement to experiment and support. It was one of my favorite times in my career and it was very productive. 
And I'm not certain that could have happened without Karen, without her blending the need to be productive with the need to be fulfilled by the work itself. My manager made that big a difference, and I'm still talking about her decades later. So Jakarta's right. Managers that elevate others, they create a win for everyone involved. I guess that's what we call a win-win. His challenge to all of us to try to be that kind of manager, the one that elevates everybody's game. And perhaps you'll be the one talked about in some future podcast, the way Raquel and Karen were talked about here today. And that's a wrap for season two as we conclude this season finale episode of Conversation with a Manager. A big thank you to our guest, Jakata Imani, for sharing some of his personal experiences as a manager. We'll be back for Season 3 later in the year. In the meantime, check in with us Monday, January 29th, and every other Monday following as we begin a rollout of bonus episodes, each with an insightful excerpt from one of our Season 2 guests. If you enjoyed this podcast and feel like others could learn from it as well, feel free to share it with your friends and colleagues. We would like to thank our entire podcast hosting team of Artel, Betsy, and Steve, as well as all of our guests we've had on this season. Thank you all for sharing your experiences. Support for this podcast comes from NRECA, the National Trade Association representing America's electric cooperatives. Driven by member feedback and engagement, NRECA's mission is to be the trusted resource champion the cause, and inspire the future of the industry.